1: <laughs> The Mutual Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called Gem of Purest Ray. Elefarios Moraides, M O R A I. I know how to spell it. I'm Greek, so. Are you? I didn't get your name. Pappas, Nick Pappas, detective sergeant first grade. We got your address, forty-seven North Fifty-first Street. Well, oh, thank you, sir, Doctor Moridas. I'm sorry I don't speak modern Greek. I assume that to mean how do you do, though? That's right. Well, Kala, Well, you Kala, huh? After killing this guy, I have no regrets at all, Mister Pappas. Is it? That's right. Well, go ahead. There's nothing more to say. You know that what you're saying will be used in evidence against you, don't you? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm getting pretty tired of it, Pappas. Of what, Dr. Moraitis? Killing these people. Oh? Do you suppose they'll... electrocute you? They sure will, Moraitis. I'll execute. What a word. What an experience, too. They tell me. I wasn't thinking about the experience. It's the barbarism of the word that sets my teeth on edge. Words like electrocute, locate, reside. What's the matter with them? They get me down. Well, not to change the subject, but uh, what about these other people you mentioned? Oh. I was just thinking, as long as they're going to send me to the electric chair... Oh, you're on the way, okay, Moraitis. Well, in that case, I might as well tell you about the others. Sure. Go right ahead. And I could warn you at the same time. Warn me? Yes. Warn me or what? Uh, these people that have to be killed. Oh? Uh, who are they, Moraitis? I'm of perfectly sound mind, Sergeant Puppet. You bet. Now, let's get this conference session uh, over with first, huh? Then we'll get on to the warning, eh? Huh? Okay. Well... So far as I can remember, there are 32 of them. All together? That I've murdered. Killed. This one makes 33. No, he's the 32nd. Well, nice going. Uh, You have their names, I suppose. No, not all of them. As a matter of fact, I have the names of only a few of them. I could give you the details of the murders, you see, and and perhaps you could work back from that. Yeah, I suppose we could, couldn't we? But there are so many more of them. So? You find them everywhere. Good. And they've all got to be destroyed. Who's going to destroy them? Well, I've destroyed 32 of them. And now you're going to hang me. Objection, Doctor. We're going to fry you. for trying to save the world. Uh-uh. We're knocking off Mr. Uh, Oliver Meredith, 38, of 202 South Winter Street, to which you have confessed. And for which you will be fried like a fish. I am not a fish. Not yet. He's a fish. Who's a fish? This... This... Meredith, that I killed. Hey, you may get out yet, and I'll only play. Sergeant Popper, did you see Meredith's body? Sure. Did you look at it carefully? Careful enough to see he was dead. Dead as a fish. Did you notice his neck? No. What? There are two scars on his neck, on each side. Just Below his ears. That's the coroner's business, Doctor. It's your business. It's everybody's business. Why? Because that's the way you can identify them. Identify who, for gosh sake? The people that are trying to destroy the world. Who? The people from the bottom of the ocean. Those scars on their necks are guilds. Guilds like a fish. Excuse me, I am becoming ungrammatical. I mean they are guilds such as fishes possess. No fins. I beg you, Sergeant, please don't joke about this. And they come from the bottom of the ocean. They do. Uh, lean over here. Turn your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other way now. Mm. How come you got scars on the sides of your neck, Dr. Moray? You bend to the bottom of the ocean, too? Yes. Those are my gills. Yes into the bottom of the ocean, too. We Greeks have an enormous affinity for the depths of the seas. Our first heroes were men of the sea, Jason, and Odysseus and the others. We were a sea going, a sea loving nation. And the very words we use to describe the sea today came from the Greek Pelagian of the sea. From the Greek, Pelagos. Plankton. The microscopic animal forms that lie at various levels in the ocean depths. That's a Greek word, too. Plankton. A wanderer. And Atlantis was one of our colonies. Atlantis, whose people so loved the sea that the gods of ancient Greece sunk the whole continent into its depths. You believe that kind of junk? And you'd better believe it, too. Sergeant... Purpose of the police? Yes, because Atlantis exists today, and its people live. And the ambassadors of Atlantis come from the sea to live beside us, and sow seeds of discontent and hatred among us wherever we live. You remember me now, don't you? The Morayta's deep sea exploration. Men have gone down to the depths of the sea before. William Beebe and his bathysphere, you remember, of course. Bathysphere, we Greeks again, it comes from bathos, Depths. Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I wanted to go deeper, to plumb the utmost depths of the sea. To get down to the valleys that extend farther below the sea's level and the highest peaks on Earth extend above it. I... I wanted to find Atlantis. I found myself in possession of certain documents, charts, maps, the existence of which had heretofore never been suspected. And I found the exact coordinates of latitude and longitude of the ancient city, the capital of the country that sank below the waves so many, many centuries ago. Uh, No, never mind them. It will do you no good to know them. Let it suffice that the depth is something more than eight miles. I beg pardon? I said, go on. No need to tell you either of the details of the construction of my diving bell. It was made to my own specifications, internally braced to withstand the pressure of several tons to the square inch. There was light and heat and large ports set in the sides with comb-shaped plexiglass bedlights, so that no matter what the pressure of the water from the outside, the plexiglass would be only forced in tighter. But the thing busted anyway, didn't it? That was the story. What really happened was somewhat different. Get on with your story, Doctor. If you'd just not interrupt me. Go ahead. If you read the newspaper accounts at the time... When was it? May 17th, 1946. Go ahead. I was going to say that you might have remembered that there was no physical connection between the bell and the surface. That is, it was not on a cable of any kind. It was free. How'd you expect to get back? By releasing ballast, of course, upon which the bell and the people in it, if any, would rise to the surface. We had, of course, radio contact with our headquarters ship on the surface. And you and the woman... Miss Elizabeth Case, you my and, assistant. Yes, you and this Miss Case went down in this thing, and it busted or something, and they pulled you out of the ocean at um, Old Saybrook, Connecticut. They never found Miss Case's body. Is that right? They didn't find Miss Casey's body because she is still alive. Or was when I last saw her. Oh, yeah? And uh, when did you last see her, Doc? Standing in front of the Temple of Poseidon. And where is this Temple of Poseidon, if you please? In Atlantis. Forty-some thousand feet below the surface of the ocean. And what was she doing, Doc? She was talking to the high priest. Talking? Forty thousand feet under water, and she talked. Well, Doc, you're really bucking for a section eight, aren't you? I am telling you the truth, Sergeant Puppers. Okay, go ahead. As long as you don't get violent. It is very quiet in the lower depths of the ocean. I remember the bathymeter showed a depth of eight thousand meters. That is roughly twenty thousand feet when we saw the first inhabitant of the ocean, completely different from any previous conception of ocean life.
2: Doctor, look out this port. See something? Look.
1: Well.
2: I wonder if it's alive.
1: It, it seems to be.
2: It looks like a great big sheet. I don't see any eyes or a mouth or anything. It's coming closer.
1: It's alive already. This is wonderful, isn't it? Well,
2: Doctor, it is alive. Looks like a blanket.
1: Ah, oh, it's turning over. Now maybe we'll see what. <coughs> what did you scream about? The thing turned over, and we saw the other side. Well? The thing was a huge face a human face, a woman's face. Paper thin, flesh colored, and alive. Thirty feet across, like a huge mask. And. And the thing looked at us, and it smiled, and then it darted toward us, and Betty screamed again as the thing wrapped itself around the diving belt. And I could see the plexiglass port start inward with the increased pressure. And then I looked closer at the port, and across its surface outside there in the water, a million tiny hands. Women's hands. Crawled across the glass, clutching, reaching, trying to come inside. And well, what did you do then, Doc? I am afraid I fainted. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What about Miss Case? She fainted, too. I sort of expected that. Well, why shouldn't she? The face that she looked at out there in the depths of the sea was her own. Better and better, Dr. Moraidas. Then what? It was black. Outside when I came to. Black. And immeasurably cold. The thing was gone. There was nothing but blackness. I gave her some brandy. Always brandy in these stories. And I took a little myself. Uh-huh. The bathymeter indicated 9,200 meters. And you saw a red, white, and blue turkey with a straw hat. On. I saw a tar below
2: me. The lights of the city
1: I saw Atlantis. Well, you're wrong, Doc. I show you this jewel, yeah, what is it? I found it. On the floor of my diving bell. A moment after, I saw the lights of Atlantis below me. How did it get there? I don't know. Well, what is it? You ever read Thomas Gray's Elegy Written in a Country Churchyard? I guess so. In high school. The uh, curfew tolls the knell of parting day. Why? Let me quote one of the couplets to you. Oh, many a gem of purest ray serene, the dark, unfathomed caves of ocean bear. Go on, Doctor. I suspect that Thomas Gray was trying to tell the world something. That's kind of reaching for it, Doctor. I didn't know where it came from, I told you. That's right. But Betty Case knew. Betty Case gasped when she
2: saw it. (gasps) Come from?
1: Well, I don't know. It was on the floor. Give it to me. Well, what are you so angry? Because
2: it's mine.
1: Oh, well. (laughs) I I had a weird idea it came from from outside. (laughs) Isn't that silly?
2: No, Dr. Murray, either. It isn't silly. What? It did come from outside. And
1: the two red scars on her neck. Just below her ears. The red scars I had never noticed before pulsed as she spoke. And I was struck with a queer, fleeting thought. Why? She looks just like a fish. Out of water. And I could feel the motion of the diving bell quicken, and in a moment it was like an express elevator dropping down out of control from some great height. Betty Caste was laughing at me, and queer things sped past the port. The light grew stronger in my mind. Suddenly, <laughs> I was flung to the floor of The as it plumped against the bed of the ocean. But the limiter registered 13,800 meters below sea level. We had come to rest eight miles below the surface where the sun danced on the waves. And we sat in bright light in the streets of Atlantis. Well, it's a great story, Dr. Moraida. A crowd of people in the street. A crowd of people dressed in the garments of ancient Greece. A sound of music. The set of brilliant steel walls of the diving bell are hopping. Men and women and children in the light of great lamps beaming down from tall marble columns. Men and women and children living moving. And breathe Eight miles below the ocean surface. And I turned to look at that
2: case. I remembered, Doctor, when I saw the duel. I remembered when I dreamed after the face looked in on us and I fainted. And when I saw the duel. Door... This can't be. This is utterly,
1: fantastically
2: impossible. No, it is not, Doctor. Look outside.
1: They're coming closer. Maddie,
2: look out. Do you see them? Yes, I see. It isn't impossible, Doctor. This is our planet. It can't be. It is. It's our planet. I'm home again.
1: And she started for the door of the diving bell. Started reaching out for the mechanism that would unlock it. That would open and let the sea in to crush its boat. And I leaped in front of it to prevent her. But she raised the jewel and held it in front of my eyes, and I felt my strength leave suddenly. And all I could see was the coruscating brightness of the jewel burning into my eyes. And all I could hear was her voice, echoing hollowly against the sea of water.
2: No. Never cease to stop me now, man of earth.
1: And I thought idly of the archaic form of speech she employed. This girl who was on earth the most prosaic, dry as gut. Not the
2: Never cease to stay my hand. Nor turn thy eyes away from the gem of purest But I thou this before thee now. And thou shalt go forth into the depths where mortal man hath not yet trod.
1: And I thought with considerable surprise. Why? She's speaking the purest of ancient Greek. And I'm understanding
2: it. Now let thee become as one of us.
1: And I watched her calmly as she extended the gleaming jewel toward me. And I thought it touch the sides of my neck just below the ears, and a searing, cold pain went through my body. And suddenly, I was gasping for breath. I drew in great pulse of the oily air of the rising bell, and with each breath, I grew weaker and weaker. I was suffocating, like a fish out of water. And as the darkness shot with flashes of red oh. descended upon me, and I knew I was dying, I dimly saw her touch the scar on her neck with a jewel, and she was gasping suddenly, too. And I saw her reach again for the lever that operated the door. And it burst open. And I felt lights returning to me as I breathed in great lungfuls of cold, pure salt water. Great. Great. And old Fosan gave me my own jewel. the jewel that lies on your desk there. Fosan elder with his white beard and the look of antiquity in his eyes. He has lived since Atlantis first disappeared beneath the ocean. Posan spoke to me many times. Never lose the jewel of yes. When you go back to the land, you will need it to change back from a water breather to an air breather, you see. I'm going back then? Yes, of course. There are a great many messages that I want to send to our people on the land. Messages that cannot be trusted to our ordinary radio, you see, because the time is almost here. The time? I forgot that you didn't know. Is Betty going back with me? No, she stays here. She'll be here when you come back. Must I come back? (laughs) You don't want to die, do you? What do you mean? There isn't going to be any place for you to live up there, you know. What? Sit down, son. You're happy, aren't you? I'm pretty confused, sir. (laughs) No doubt. May I ask you some questions? You can ask them, yes. Well, how is it done? Living here? (laughs) Time enough for that. We live. Isn't that enough? No. Next question. Well, Betty, she's from the land, isn't she? Originally, yes. Did you ever hear of the bark Marie celeste I seem to. It was lost with all hands. That is, all hands were lost. They found the ship, sailing along with all its sails set. Food on the table, still hot, and nobody aboard. It was one of the greatest mysteries of the sea. I remember Better as a passenger on the Marie Celeste. But. But that was more than a hundred years ago. Yes, that's so. Uh, oh. And the carrier kind of Cyclops that was lost in your World War in 1918. Remember that? Yes. They're all here. The Cyclops crew. They are? Well, except those we sent up to service. Well, what do you send those people up there for? Well. We've decided that we are the ones that the world belongs to, well, Aleisterios. You know, people up on the surface have made a pretty bad mess of things. And we're going to take it away from you. How? What we want is a world that's covered with water everywhere. Land is useless to us. But... But what? The people up there. My people. Hmm. Are you proud of your people, Elifirios? Well, of oh, I... course. Look, some really essentially kind-hearted people down here. And we are great many. There are more of us than there uh, are people on the land. Well, yes, but Don't I... Don't interrupt. You think your people are so clever. Where do you think they get them, Elif? What, for instance? Of ways to make war, for instance. A ways to make deadlier and deadlier war. They didn't think of those things themselves. You know where they got their idea. In. You're not going to tell me. Oh, but I am. <laughs> look, some there are right now 65,211 Atlanteans on the surface of the Earth. In every country that's known, and some that aren't very well known, they speak every language. They look like Earth people except for the
2: two little
1: scars on their necks. And they're doing a great job. I don't believe it. Well, you'd better believe it, son, because one of these fine days your little friends upstairs are going to blast all the continents right off the face of the earth. You know what happens then? I. Yes, that's right. There won't be anything but water on this little old planet. So you can make your choice. You can use your jewel like the other Atlanteans up there will, and come on back down here. Or, blub, blub, son. Blood. Strictly blood dumps. I don't know if that thing doesn't kill you when it goes off. So what do you say? What do you want me to do? (laughs) Go on back for a while. And help us in our little whispering campaign to destroy the continent. I won't do it. Well, son, down here on the bottom we've solved the problem of combating pressure. If you decide not to come along with us, we'll uh, just take that control off you. Tap you with the business end of the little jewel here, and you know what'll happen? Uh, I have an idea. Oh, no. No, you haven't. You haven't any idea. But, son, it'll be awful. Come on, make up your mind. And what I said? And well, I'm here. I don't know how they did it, but I'm here. You certainly are. Well, you've been passing the words of the little ambassadors. What the old gentleman wants back? To? I have not. I told you I've killed thirty-two of them so far, including this <laughs> Meredith. It's a great alibi. You think I'm going to betray the people of the Earth, man? You're betraying the people of the sea, aren't you? What? You heard me. Well, it's a great story, Doc. I knew that you wouldn't believe me. It's a great story. But you don't believe it. Think I'm crazy? What? Of course I believe it, Doc. What? Sure I do. Well, well that. Come it. here, Doc. What do you want? I want you to look at the sides of my neck, Doc. Just below the ears. You... you. Sure, Doc. See? What are you going to do? I'm not going to electrocute you, Doc. Nah, Doc. The old gentleman downstairs has got better tricks than that for people to try to cross him up. Come on, Doc. Pick up your crystal. You and I have got a date in Atlantis. And oh, brother. Oh. night was called Gem of Purest Ray. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper and Moraides, the man who spoke to you, was Ernest Chappell. And Morton Lawrence played Pappas. Charita Bauer was Betty Case. Edgar Staley was Fosan, the Atlantean. As usual, Music for Quiet, Please is played by Albert Berman. Now, for a word from our writer, Director Willis Cooper. Never having been to the bottom of the sea, I am uncertain whether the various Atlanteans really exist outside my own imagination. I can assure you, however, that many of the characters in tonight's story are based on a living person, or any dead one, for that matter. Next week's choir, please, is called In the House Where I Was Born. And so, until next week at this same time, and Mr. Cooper's story in the house where I was born, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. to you from Mutual Studios in New York City. This is the world's largest network, the Mutual Broadcasting System.